0: you here this morning we welcome you to week one of defeating the Giants look at your neighbor and say defeating the Giants today my message is let's keep things in perspective you ever had anybody to say let's get some perspective today our perspective is what we see versus what God sees someone say what we see versus what God sees in 2nd Samuel 21 there's a giant um, once again, there was a battle between the Philistines and Israel. And David, someone say David, went down with his men to fight against the Philistines, and he became exhausted. Have you ever been exhausted? Are you exhausted today? No. And Ishbi Banab, everyone say Ishbi Banab, one of the descendants of Rapha the giant, whose bronze spear, that means his sword, weighed eight hundred pounds come on somebody and who was armed with a new sword if it wasn't bad enough that he had a sword that weighed 800 pounds he gets himself a new weapon said he would kill david but abishai son of zariah came to david's rescue and he struck that philistine down and he killed him someone say amen. amen amen this morning father we welcome your presence into this room holy spirit this is your room Jesus is the head of this church. Come and do what you have prepared to do. Come, Holy Spirit, in our weakness be strong. Speak to my brothers and sisters and speak to me. And let us receive from the word of God. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. 2 Samuel 21, before I read that, I want to read from the book of Isaiah, the 46th division. In talking about what we see versus what God sees. The Lord, someone say, the Lord. He says, I am the one who simultaneously, anybody can see simultaneously this morning? I don't think so. Sees the beginning and the end. Don't you love a God that can see the beginning and the end? He goes on to say, I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all that I have purpose to do anyone thankful this morning for a God who can see the beginning to the end come on somebody and sees it all and what he says is what I declare shall be done what we see versus what God sees I have peripheral vision this morning, but simultaneously seeing things is not one of my gifts yet, maybe someday. But no one in this room, unless you're a superhero, and please stand up and put that cape on. We want to celebrate you. But God sees from the end to the beginning. Say it again. From the end to the beginning. Paige, that's why he never panics. He never gets in distress. He never freaks out. He's already seen the end of every story he knows it all what happens in this story many years after david slew goliath he was a king raising a family and in a battle with the philistines david became exhausted when he became exhausted in battle he's got his sword that's in here hold on a minute my people he's got a sword that's pretty intense that he's carrying but all of a sudden he looks up and he sees a giant heading toward him. Someone say straight this way, straight this way. And that giant has a sword that weighs 800 pounds. For a reason of context, let me tell you a few things that weigh 800 pounds. I am not one of them, but let me go on. There is the adult grizzly bear weighs 800 pounds. There is an all-terrain ATV vehicle that weighs 800 hundred pounds there is a monster truck come on somebody that weighs 800 pounds there is a large upright piano. i happen to have one back here from my in the other room by my mother's house that some men pulled in and when they got done they were just absolutely perspiring 800 pounds is heavy someone say heavy and here comes ishbi banab with his 800 pound sword but that wasn't enough He had to get a new weapon. Come on. I mean, it's bad enough when the old things come against you, but what about when the new weapon comes? Come on, somebody. Ishbi Banab comes from a root word meaning to retreat. Everyone say retreat. Retreat. That means Ishbi Banab in this story symbolizes the giants in our life that want to cause you to retreat. And that's not a retreat in the mountains by a spring brook. Come on, buddy. That means to back up. Someone say back up that means the opposite of going forward that means to get off your ground to give up the ground god has given you to cause you to retreat now i want to remind you that david is highly favored pastor tyrone good morning he is highly favored In this story, if you drop into this chapter, are a lot of moments in the Bible that the Lord has given us great stories. If you drop in one moment, you're going to think this can't be someone that's highly favored. You question his favor. But I want to tell you something. If you judge a moment in your life thinking that you're not favored by God, if you judge a battle in your life thinking you're not favored, you're going to lose the consciousness that God is with you, God is for you, God is is ahead of you and God is behind you come on somebody come on give him a hand clap of praise this morning you will question your favor if you drop into just a moment of your life or King David's life but Isaiah 40 said that those that wait upon the Lord those who are joined to the Lord they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint David is in a day that he is barely walking and not fainting, and that is okay. Look at your neighbor and say, that's okay. Sometimes you're by the people that are soaring. You're worshiping with the people that are glowing. Come on. It's like they rode a a cherubim's wings into church that morning. Come on. And you feel like I've just got enough. Oh, am I talking to anybody this morning? I've just got enough energy to lift my hands above my head because I know I want to. But if I didn't know I wanted to or should, I'd just be laying down on the floor taking a nap and saying, I've barely got strength. I'm not talking about physical exhaustion. I'm talking about when you're Spirit gets tired when you get weary in battle. But God says, those that wait upon the Lord, even though they're in a day of just walking and not feigning, that the wind of the spirit will come again and they will soar straight to the heavens. Someone give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Todd. Ishbi Banad is vowing to kill David. And here's David exhausted. And what David sees is ishbi banal 800 pound sword giant i mean he's killed a giant before but he's not only coming with his 800 pound sword that i could not i don't know anyone in this room could lift up maybe pastor tyrone could lift up a, a sword that weighs 800 pounds because he's pumps weight amen give pastor tyrone a, god bless you that would be bad enough but in addition to that he's got himself a new weapon well 800 pound wasn't enough melissa so I'm going to get a new sword and all David can see is Ishbi Banab coming straight at him. When you're in tunnel vision, in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a discouragement, in the middle of a disappointment, that's all you can see. But what God sees is Abishai coming right behind David with a sword so big and an energy full of vigor. Abishai is today symbolic of the power of God, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Come on, somebody. When discouragement comes, our first instinct is to retreat discouragement hacks away at us at ways that seem insignificant until they are measured against us and then We sunbathe on the shores of sea and dread. We begin to list reasons why we'll be unemployed by next year. We stress over the economy. We stress over the Ukraine-Russia war. We stress over the gas prices. Can I get an amen? And all of the sudden to the weary mind, retreat becomes the only possible remedy to the dilemma of discouragement. But when you look back on your journey, everyone say look back. You think about in the past when you were discouraged or you felt overwhelmed, you did not retreat. Somehow you took your focus off of your situation. Come on, somebody. And you put it on the power of God inside of you. Now think about the results of that victory. Go into your past. Think about a time you were discouraged, overwhelmed. Did you not go on? Did you not prevail to see another day? If you did, give the heavens a shout of praise this morning. Did you not accomplish what discouragement was set? to make you retreat from. Now you get the picture. That's discouragement's designation. They were trying to keep King David from going forward. So should you retreat? Should you back up? Should you give up the ground that you've gained, even though you feel apathy in your heart, I don't know if I want to do this, you feel tiredness, you feel laziness, you feel overwhelmed, or you feel like life is messy and complicated, but there's joy and success. The significance that you put on your assignment will cause you to say, I will hold my ground. I will keep going forward. I will wait upon the Lord, my personal Abishai, to say, I've got you in this battle. Come on, somebody. I know how to hack away at discouragement. Somebody give Jesus a praise this morning. Second Peter 1 and 5, Peter admonishes us and says, for this very reason, make every effort. Someone say effort. That means God's not going to do this for you. You're going to have to do this for yourself and I will as well to add to your faith perseverance. The word that he uses for perseverance in the Greek is hupomino and it means stand your ground. Someone say stand your ground. I think sometimes the giant of discouragement points us to things in our life that didn't go the way we wanted them to go maybe even dreams that we had visions maybe a business or whatever but think about this the next time you are tempted to retreat from going forward into your future dr seuss's book was rejected by 27 publishers his books went on to sell at the writing a time of this calculation Six million copies. Come on, somebody. During the first year of business, Coca-Cola Company averaged sales of nine drinks per day all over America. Some of you had nine Cokes before you came to church this morning. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, not me, not me. Think about this. Henry Ford's car company went bankrupt. His first one, his second car company went bankrupt. But how many's ever driven in a four by four truck? Come on, somebody, give it up for Ford. He kept going. Someone say he kept going. In 1905, the University of Bern rejected a PhD from a young man and said, It's irrelevant and it doesn't make sense. We cancel it and we cancel you. That man went on to state the matter of relativity, and his name is Albert Einstein. Come on, somebody. Be careful that you judge a moment when others don't look upon your value, because Abishai, the power of God, is saying, hang in there and don't retreat. Someone say amen. A high school basketball coach was attempting to pump up his team. I used to be a cheerleader, so I heard a lot of these. He stood before his discouraged team, and he said to them, did Michael Jordan ever quit? No. What about the Wright brothers? No. What about Tiger Woods? I mean, they were getting built up. No. And then he said the final question as they were just, woo, 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 woo. Did Elmer McAllister ever quit? And everyone just stared at him. And one student finally said, Coach, we don't know who Elmer McAllister is. He said exactly because he quit. There you go. Harriet Beecher Stowe said, be careful that you never give in in things big or small and never quit because that's the moment when the tide shall turn. Someone say amen. Look at your neighbor and say, don't retreat. Don't back up. Whatever the predicament, whatever the trial, whether it's discouragement or fear or whatever, that giant tries to get you to the place that you feel like you are God. But what David realized, he is God and I am not. Look at your neighbor and say, he is God. And I am not. And in the moment that we're swamped by pain, overwhelmed by stress, shaken by temptation, we're thinking no one could possibly understand me. I don't know. Discouragement creeps in like Ishbi Banab and it begins to try to push you back. But if we want the freedom and the victory, the stone that we must use, hold on a minute while I get a prop. It's in here. The stone that we must use is divine perspective. Someone say divine perspective, modeled after the stones that David gathered to go against the giant. But the stone that we have to use when we feel like a giant is trying to back us up, trying to make us retreat, trying to make us to go back and not go forward. I'm going to tell you, God is a going forward kind of guy. Can I say amen? He is not about going back. Look at your name and say, don't go back. But see, we use what God sees versus what we see. The Bible says that Abishai came through the crowd. He saw the giant coming after King David. And we don't know how. All we know is he roared and lifted up his sword. And when he did, he killed that giant. I'm going to tell you, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. One translation said he will come in like a pent up flood. I love that you ever seen a pent up flood and it comes and it moves with power where we stand. All we see is a giant bearing down upon us, but where God sees his point of view, his angle that he looks at something. People say, let's keep this thing in perspective. Oh, you hear, you've heard me say that hundreds of times to you as parishioners. Because what I'm saying is you're not seeing all the perception. You're just seeing in your tunnel vision. You've got to see the way God sees it. Amen. And the way God sees it, he knows his power is coming through. King David said in Psalm 16, I have set, someone say, I have set, the Lord always before me. You see, we got to keep the Lord always before us because he is at my right hand. I will not be moved. David had his eyes on the Lord while the Lord had his eyes on the giant. God is bigger than any mountain. God is bigger than any enemy. God is bigger than any problem that might overwhelm you. And we've got to get his vantage point. From his vantage point, he sees from despair. He brings hope. From sorrow, he brings joy. He is God and I am not. Give him praise this morning. Come on if God is who he says he is and if God has all knowledge then I've got to see things the way he sees things from his perspective impossibilities in your life are suddenly made possible from his perspective insufferable pain becomes bearable from his perspective past that almost drove us back And demolished us. And we tell people, they say, I don't know how you ever got through that. We know how we got through that. Because God was watching us. And God sent an Abishai, meaning the grace of the Holy Spirit, that said you might all be watching the giant in his life. You might all be watching the giant in her life. All I've got my eyes on is the Abishai that's coming behind them. The power of the Lord Almighty that says, I will turn this for my good. Hallelujah. If God is who he says he is, if he is the creator of the ends of the earth, I want his perspective. You see, he has no need. God has an account that's in the black. He's never been in the red, ever. He holds the patent to the skies. He holds the cattle upon the thousand hills and the cows. He owns all of them. You can't cut him off at a pass. You can't stop him. No plan of his can be thwarted. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs 31, no king has ever intimidated God because the king's heart, which means your boss's heart, it means your kid's heart, your banker's heart is in the hands of the Lord, and he turns it the way he wants. Let me tell you this morning, my dear brothers and sisters, God can handle anyone. He can handle your husband. Can I get an amen? He can handle your kids. He can handle your wife. He can handle your pastors. He can handle your boss. He can handle your banker. He can even handle the president of the United States of America. He can handle your grief. He can handle all the things that you think are broken. He has never met an intimidating situation. Our God will never bow to a giant. Come on, somebody give him a shout of praise. God is a miracle-working God. If I want His perspective, I must remind myself His power because His power precedes His perspective, but His perspective is a result of His power. In the process of time, He breathed into a handful of dirt and man became a living soul. That's a mighty miracle scientific that scientific minds can't even get past he separated for the day from the night and flung the glittering stars against the blue velvet of night he set the Sun ablaze his version of the eternal flame he sows the seven seas in the palm of his hand he is the shepherd for the stars he calls them by name he is the God of might and miracles someone say might and miracles he is the God of grace and glory he is the God of power and patience he breathed life into a 90 year old dead woman a dead woman woman of Sarah gave her reproductive power when he said, I'm going to visit you and you're going to get pregnant. She laughed. I would have laughed too. Come on, somebody. Sarah laughed thinking, I'm going to laugh to keep from crying. You ever heard God say something? You go, well, do I laugh or do I cry? Come on. Because this is beyond the realm of what I think is possible. Has God ever done the impossible for you? If you're living and breathing today, you have conquered things that God alone has done. Give him a shout of praise. And nine months later Sarah bore that child the God we serve part of the Red Sea and the children of Israel and they walked across on dry ground he caused sufficient water to gush from a rock in the middle of the wilderness he held the Sun still for Joshua so he could fight another day he muzzled the mouths of lions for Daniel he walked in the fiery furnace with the three Hebrew children he did not bow or bend his son Jesus Christ of Nazareth was born in the womb of a virgin he defied medical science because his daddy was God. It was a miracle for the ages. And this son became the healing Jesus. He healed the masses. He healed from the distance. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the one who says to you, I can do this for you. Somebody give Jesus a praise in this house this morning. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, don't back up. We constantly have to want to decide what's in our best interest because we want to escape circumstances. We want to escape trials. Even Nehemiah wanted to escape, but he didn't. He said, God strengthen me. And You see, God says to you and I this morning, get my perspective. Because I am, that I am is what he told Moses. What he was saying is I am the center of everything. I am ruling and running this show called Earth. It may look like this one's running it or that one, but the I am, someone say the I am. I am the same every day and forever. I am the owner of everything. I am the creator and I'm the sustainer of life. If he just created life, Kayla, and he couldn't sustain it, I might doubt his power. But the ecosystem is going full stream ahead from the oceans to the lakes, to the skies, to the ground. God not only created life, God sustains life. And if God can sustain the planets, God can sustain you. Somebody give him a shout of praise this morning. He says, I am the Savior, Savior, I am more than anything and everyone. I am enough. I am inexhaustible and immeasurable. I am God. Look at your neighbor say, He is God and I am not. That kind of truth starts to give perspective for how you can see things. You see, in the garden, in the beginning of time, when man fell, all of a sudden, I like to believe the way I see things because of something that's in Jeremiah 33. I like to see that in that moment, the enemy said, what are you going to do now, God? I have made your race fallen. When God created Adam and Eve, he knew everything they would cross over and everything they would do. And you know what? God chose you knowing everything about you, every weakness, every intimidation, every angry moment, every moment you said, I'm done, every moment you walked in the darkest of night and did deeds as all of us have done, all have sinned and come short of the glory. God said even in that moment, I have chosen him, I have chosen her, and they will bring me glory. Someone say hallelujah. And I like to believe in the garden as God walked off that Satan said to one of his lieutenants because he wasn't courageous enough to follow the most high. But as the most high turned from the garden and walked with confidence and walked with strength and did not carry a burden but looked like he was actually happy. How could he be happy? I believe some little imp said he's singing something. He's singing something. Satan said, go close to him. Not too close, but just get close enough to hear what that most high God, the only God that Lucifer had been with in the heavens, is singing. And I'd like to believe that God was singing. Jeremiah 33, in this place that you say is desolate, this place you say is without man or beast, once again, someone say once again, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the breath bridegroom and the voice of the bride and the voice of those shall be heard once again that say the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. And in your dark moments and in my dark moments, I believe in those moments that God sings over us or sang over us. You say, you see this is desolate. You see they'll never come out of this. You see this situation. But I believe the Lord just started singing because it says he rests in silent satisfaction over us. And he just started singing. Well, you go ahead, imps of hell. You go ahead, you haters. You go ahead, you doubters. But while they're in the darkest moment of their light I'm just going to lift up my voice the voice that shook the cedars of Lebanon the voice that stripped the forest bears the voice of the Lord that is powerful and almighty and incomprehensible and God lifted up his own voice and said it shall be heard again in this little girl's life the sound of joy and the sound of gladness the sound of those who will look on and see what I will do and they will say the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever come on somebody hallelujah to the king of glory saying that over you josh come help me i'm not quite done but if you'll create something for me you see if we're going to see what god sees i need to know about his eyes this giant for the eyes of the lord run to and fro second chronicles 60 and 9, throughout the earth to show himself strong everyone say strong on behalf of those and every translation says it different this one says Loyal to him, some say strong toward him, to show himself strong. Someone say strong. You see, this is the situation that's going on. In the book of Job, the sons of men came before God, and the accuser of the brethren came too. And he stood before the throne of Almighty God, and when he did, God said to him, What have you been doing, Lucifer? And now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also and the Lord said unto Satan where have you come from and Satan said I have gone to and fro walking up and down the earth with my eyes on mankind someone say eyes well right then we just get a little nervous. And we think, now they're needing to leave, but I'm not near done. So just look at your name and say, you stay where you are. <laughs> you stay where you are. They needed to go. And that's fine. We love them. We bless them. You see that's going on And this thing is that Satan's eyes are watching all mankind. That's the pattern. But the pattern that we've got to remember is God is looking at both ready to come to you. God sees Satan's eyes watching you. And his eyes are on you, but Satan's eyes are on you. So what makes the difference? Because God's eyes are divine and powerful. When God looks at a situation, he knows the accuser of the brethren is trying to push you back, make you weak in faith, make you not take your territory. But when he said he's coming to show himself strong, everyone say strong. For those hearts that are loyal, it means attached to him. That doesn't mean perfection. It means those in the battle who say, I'm weak, but I'm going to hold on to God. I'm discouraged, but I'm going to hold on to God. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to be helpless in this moment and find my strength in God. What I love is Satan's roaming the earth watching us, and that seems so scary. But God is watching Satan and us. And guess who wins? The almighty God, the creator of the ends of the earth, who does not faint nor grow weary. You never have to search for his understanding. He's watching. I need his divine perspective. I don't know about you, but I need his perspective on tomorrow. I can't live it yet, but I need his perspective for the next day of this church, the next building of this church. I want to see what he's seeing. I want to hear what he's hearing. I want perspective on what he sees. Because sometimes you and I can only see that, that giant called Ishbi Banab, whatever that means to you, just trying to hack away at us, defeat your confidence, detour your dreams, cause you to doubt yourself and maybe even doubt God. But the power of the almighty God, which is symbolized in Abishai again is watching everything that's going on he's watching it all and he's heading straight toward that thing that discourages you i want god's perspective because what i see compared to what he sees does not matter up we see weakness he sees strength amen we see temptations he sees you overcoming we see sickness he sees healing We see the death of something, he says, count to three and see the resurrection. Come on, somebody. We see anger, he said, I see the peace you are going to walk in eventually. We see pain, he says, I see the relief we see hopelessness. He says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you hope and a future. Sit down in hopelessness if you must. But my Abishai, my Holy Spirit is going to knock on your door through the preaching of the word or the singing of worship and say, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Someone give God a shout of praise. We see ourselves pushed back and about to fall. He sees us next day running over a troop and leaping over a wall. We see a prodigal that we think is never going to come home. Jesus, they're just never going to come home. I've prayed for so many church people's kids and grandkids, people that I know and people in other states that I know. And sometimes you just think they're not going to come home. It's just not going to happen. Maybe they'll get saved in the tribulation. You just start trying to justify why they're not walking the aisle yet, why they're not here. That's what we see. Someone say, we see. God sees the feast. He's already preparing for that prodigal. In fact, God is headed right on into the kitchen. He's cooking the fatted calf. He already sees it done. He sees it as done deal. Just as much as you made it home to Jesus, he's confident they're going to make it home to him too. Someone say amen. We see an unanswered prayer like a dark cloud hanging over us, but he rests in silent satisfaction. I want to share something that's very personal. Some of our church people have heard this. I love the scripture we sang this morning, no weapon that has been formed against me shall prosper. Amen. Everyone say amen. We sang it, Isaiah 54. Sometimes when a new weapon is formed, we want to be sure that doesn't prosper either. Sometimes, Melissa, we know the old weapons that were formed, maybe for those that were in addiction, well, that, didn't, that, that didn't, didn't prosper, this didn't prosper. And, and me try to take my mind away, that didn't prosper, this didn't prosper. I love that God was faithful in every one of my yesterdays, or I wouldn't be here. But I have to know that if a new, a new weapon is ever formed against me, it will not prosper as well. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. So many years ago, and about uh, I don't know when it was, Courtney might would remember, but maybe about 2010, we had put a second mortgage on our personal house. I'm probably gonna cry through some of this. It's okay, I've told it before. We put a mortgage on it because we had a men's rehab. We so believed the church didn't have the money. So we put on our precious home. Our home is very small, it's very humble. You drive by and think, it looks better on the inside and the outside. So if you drive by, someday I'll invite you in so you'll feel better about it, come on. But, but at any rate, it's our home. It's our home. We had it before we had the church. It was Courtney's first house after the home she came that we were renting. And we loved it. And I fell. It was the year, Chris, that the, the economy went really bad. And I fell behind. Just a mistake. wasn't even lack of money. It did not pay. And we were like a month and eight days late. Pastor Hank and I were at his doctor in Chattanooga, Dr. Cherry, who pastor led to the Lord, of course. And... Um, Courtney calls us because she went to make the payment for me, and they rejected it and said they had foreclosed on our home. We got home, and the papers arrived. All the way home, I was just losing it. Pastor Hank, being the mover that he was, made several calls to friends that were bankers, lawyers, see what we could do. Because of where everything was at that time, they said, the only thing you can do is declare bankruptcy. This is when you know the enemy has taken an evil shot at you because Hank Davis, when he lost everything on cocaine, had to declare bankruptcy after I'd left him because he lost everything because of his addiction. We're driving home, and who else but Perry Stone calls? Come on, somebody. And he says, I want Rhonda to come be on TBN with me Tuesday night said uh, or Monday night. I can't remember the exact day, but said um, someone was going to go. I'd gone before and said she's an immediate yes. TBN you know, likes her, whatever, and they'll approve her immediately. So I said, I'll get back with you. I didn't say much. I hung up the phone and I looked at Hank Davis. God bless him for everything he had to hear from my mouth. Come on, somebody. I said, when hell freezes over, I'll go on international TV after they're just going to foreclose on my house. Like I'm going to go in there and act like some victory person. Like I'm going to go preach the gospel where I'm just going to lose my house. We Went home, Courtney knew. Lord it was terrible was what we were going through but to hear Courtney in the basement praying with she's if you've ever heard her pray in the spirit she's like I mean she was passionate in the spirit she was gone wailing and crying pleading with God and Pastor Hank just goes to try to fix and he says I think you should go do that and I said no I, I just can't Hank I can't do it honey I don't feel powerful he looked at me like what you been preaching girl but at any rate um I, I laid down and turned on the news so I could further myself into more disappointment and discouragement and utter, come on, somebody. Fell asleep and somehow listened to that. And when I just, just trying to think about, we're going to lose our house. We're going to lose our house. We, when we checked into everything. We didn't see any way. And we did it for a good reason. And um, so that Sunday, I mean, was, so right in the when I got up from the nap, um, Hank came in and I said, well, I think the Lord just told me. Then I'm supposed to do it and to trust him. I said, I guess I'll call Perry. He goes, no, you don't have to. Well, I was running errands. I called Perry. I told him you were whining about, but you were going to do it. I knew you were going to do it. You were just going to rise up. <laughs> My husband did not raise a wuss. The warrior I am today is because I was married to a warrior. And I went. That, I had to preach that Sunday. Pastor Hank got sick, and I asked the church people. I didn't tell them because I didn't want them to fear. Oh, God, our pastors are going to be homeless. They're going to come live with us. You know, um, I didn't tell them the situation. I just said, I need your prayers tomorrow. And I remember how many people really took it so serious and texted me. I didn't say a word. I just said, I just need your prayers. So I went to TBN. We got on the plane. P- Brother Perry has a very, very, very small plane, and he needs that plane. And we're sitting there. He goes, what are you going to preach? In fact, Brother Perry told me the other day, he goes, we're going to start dropping on your services. They just really want to support you. go lying to at you. I said, Lord, no. I said, because you've always encouraged the preacher in me. And he's always just handed me the mic and said, Go do it. He might interrupt me a few times, but that's okay. But at any rate, um, he said, What are you gonna preach? I said, I'm gonna preach on the irony. No weapon formed against me. <laughs> well, prosper. He goes, Great, great, great. He goes, I'll just I'll give it to you. I won't even interrupt you, you just go for it. So I preached. It was great because the studio was packed with hundreds of African Americans. Oh, from so many churches. I mean, it was electricity on fire and it just was awesome. People were cheering. I forgot about everything in that moment. I clung to the word, come on somebody. I went home and that next day I got up and uh, took Fraser. Frazier, some of you know him. Pastor Hank got him out of the ditch of heroin and cocaine, saved him two or three times. and And he'd been a product of our rehab at that time. And because Pastor Hank couldn't go, I'm going to go talk to a banker. You see, I want to say this to you, and I know I'm being very pastoral. Is that okay? Um, I want to say this to you because sometimes we don't like the pressure on us. Those pressures, Michael Cook prepared me for this pressure. When I had to go sit in front of a banker by myself and talk about my home prepared me. There's so many things Pastor Billy said. Did you know how Pastor Hank just, and he did, the last two years he kept putting so much stuff on me. And I thought, what is this all about? I didn't think what was going to happen. I just thought, okay, well, you know, I can do that. But I went in there, I took Frazier, and I prayed about it. I'd fasted. I knew people were praying. I went in to talk to the banker that had served papers on us, foreclosure, nothing you can do about it. You're done. You've got 60 days to get out of your house. And I sat there, and I first said to him, this is Fraser." And I said, Frazier, will you tell Mr., I won't say his name, because I love this banker today, but I said, will you tell him your story? And he told the story how he'd come off of heroin, and how Pastor Hank is saved and what the men's rehabbing meant to him how he'd be dead if it wasn't for that and tears rolling down his face and I looked over at the banker I'm still sitting there I'm getting ready to make my speech you know like I had all in my mind every word weighed out asking the Holy Spirit should I say this or that when I went to say something the banker i trying not to say his name the banker took his glasses off of his face and he looked at me he said I want to tell you something I was sitting in my recliner last night I don't ever channel surf on TV but I was channel surfing on TV, and I stopped on some religious channel, and there you were with a blue blouse, bright blue. Just tears started streaming down his face. He goes, do you think I'm a weapon formed against you? I said, sir, I don't really think you are, but this is my home. You know, he knew why we'd done it. I said, this is my home. He reached down. He picked up the papers to foreclosure and tore them up right in front of me. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Only God. Only God. Only God. You can go ahead and stand if you want. I've got a few more minutes, but let me tell you something right now. You see, Ishbi Banab was trying to back me up and intimidate me. That new weapon that was formed, But when I went in there, the Spirit of God, Abishai, said, Oh, just think, if you had not gone to TBN, if if you hadn't listened to me, and Hank Davis hadn't already said you're going to go because he knew you was having a moment, if you hadn't gone... Mr. Banker would have never channel surfed and found you. Because you could have come in here with your words. But I, the Spirit of the Lord, visited him in his living room. I spoke to him in his recliner. I told him the way it would be. I give glory to Jesus alone. He's so awesome. Somebody praise him. Listen. I don't know what person or banker you're going to be called. I don't know what mission you're going to have to stand for. And I don't know how you're going to have to do it when you feel. I felt this, Lisa Cook. I felt the least of the person to go in there. No weapon formed against me. shall prosper, but I'm going to lose my house tomorrow. You know, I didn't say that, but in my spirit. But you see, God says to us, don't declare what you see. Declare what God sees. Declare his perspective. Declare his word. Declare his glory. Somebody give him one more praise and I'm going to wrap this up. Come on. Let me end with this. And we're going to pray for you. What did God see on Golgotha when that giant called the cross was against his son? What we saw was we esteemed him, Isaiah said, and we hid our faces from him because he was despising and ugly and horrible beaten up they cast lots on his robe beneath the cross the religious went out for dinner in Jerusalem that night and feast and danced with their partners while he laid in a tomb the religious and the passerbys came by him and said if you're really the son of God come down from there he saved others but he can't save himself that's what those gathered around saw they saw him say why Eli Eli Abba Abba why have you forsaken me they saw his battered body being carried away by his disciples. He surely was not holy or he would not have died. That's what they said. They saw the sorrow and the grief. He had to be a false prophet. But you see the divine perspective. As God had to turn away from his son, the earth felt the fury. And in the third hour, the scientists have said that in Jerusalem the sky grew dark. For three hours, creation's said, we can't even light the sky up because in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and you just crucified the creator of the stars. We refused to show our light. The ground began to shake. They were horribly horrified, not knowing why was their creator put on a cross. But what God saw at Calvary he saw the future and saw Jesus at his right hand where he would say what the psalmist say. Come and sit at my right hand while I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. What God said come I see Jesus entering into the heaven's glory with his own blood. The Hebrews writer said he poured it on the mercy seat. What man could not do Jesus Jesus ran through the halls of heaven and threw his own blood on the mercy seat and said, Mankind is redeemed. It is finished. Come on, somebody. What God saw, what God saw, his perspective was he already saw that he knew that the tomb would be shaken this time not by creation but by the dunamis exousia power in the Greek of God that would shake the tomb knock out the Roman soldiers and he would say my beloved son come up I'm going to tell you today God's perspective on your life is what you need he sees you on the other side he sees you in victory he sees you strong when you're weak when that giant of Ishbi Banab at you you get God's divine perspective and say no matter what I see I'm gonna throw the stone against this giant of what my great I am that I am sees come on give him praise I'm done preaching this morning come on give him praise in this house praise and worship team if you would join me come on this morning if you need prayer, as every eye is closed for something that you're facing We're just going to sing spontaneously if we can. I know we don't have a drummer. We'll sing Waymaker again. If you need prayer of something you're overcoming, maybe it's fear, insecurity or something. You say, I just want to come stand, Pastor Rhonda. I don't don't want anything crazy to happen to me, but I want to come stand for a giant that I'm facing. Maybe it's apathy. Whatever it is, these altars are open. Come on, let's sing this song. Let's begin to worship. God has given Jesus a name that is above every name. Above all principalities and powers, every name that is above every name. Come on, don't let this moment pass you by. We're just going to let you stand in freedom for a giant you're facing. Come on, these altars are open. Let's begin to sing it. worship where you are and come stand down here too. Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah, sing it with them church. I worship you I worship you I worship you here the work promise keep light in the darkness my